0: You might not know this, but building a healthy gut or gastrointestinal system is one of the most important things you should be working on to maintain your health and longevity. That's why actually in my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, I devote the entire first chapter to the gut. I like to compare the gut or gastrointestinal system to the foundation of your home. You have to have a strong gastrointestinal system upon which to build great health. So with that in mind, I want to share a few tips to help you do just that. The first step with improving your gut health is to clean up your diet. Removing inflammatory foods, foods you may have sensitivities towards, and treating gut infections. Like I mentioned, I get into this in a lot more depth in chapter one of my book. Once you've done that, however, there are also some amazing nutrients that exist to help you heal further. Two of my favorite your longevity blueprint combination powder products for helping patients heal their guts are called Gut Shield and GI Support. Gut Shield contains several important ingredients, including glutamine and zinc. Glutamine is the most important non-essential amino acid for gut healing and zinc is a top mineral for gut healing as well. Gut Shield also contains N-acetyl D-glucosamine and aloe vera. N-acetyl D-glucosamine is a mucin precursor that has been shown to increase the production of mucus within the GI tract. This is beneficial in coating the tract and protecting it. Gut Shield also contains deglycerized licorice root extract, also known as DGL, a form of licorice root that does not contain glycyrrhizin, which can raise blood pressure. Licorice has been known to treat and heal ulcers. It works as a demulsant to soothe the irritated tissue. It's antispasmodic, anti-inflammatory, and anti-allergenic. Aloe vera has been used throughout history to promote a normal inflammatory response. You may have used it on your cuts, scrapes, or burns as a child. Studies have shown that aloe vera is also specifically beneficial to the gastric mucosa, in part through its ability to balance stomach acid levels and promote healthy mucus production. All these gut healing nutrients are packed into one little scoop of powder that can be added to a beverage of your choice or mixed into a smoothie. I recommend patients consume this consistently for at least three months for gut healing. My second favorite product for gut healing is called GI Support, a gut healing protein powder containing glutamine as well. The difference here is that GI support is also loaded with natural anti-inflammatories like turmeric. It also contains arabinogalactins, which serve as prebiotic fiber. And it contains green tea extract, also known as EGCG, a potent antioxidant that further helps to reduce inflammation. It's the Cadillac of gut healing powders because it has protein, the amino acid glutamine, prebiotics, anti-inflammatories, and antioxidants all in one scoop. And yes, it can be combined with Gut Shield. Consider taking the Synergistic Blend daily while focusing on cleaner eating. These products aren't needed forever, but they sure help expedite the healing process of your gut lining. Check out more product information on our website and use code HealGut for 10% off either product. That's Gut Shield or GI Support at YourLongevityBlueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. ask my patients, are you getting protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And many times they're not. If you're starting your breakfast with just carbs, sugar, caffeine, right? That's not the best breakfast. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. Today, you get to hear from me. I daily talk to my patients about weight loss, and repeating myself over and over, I thought my podcast audience may also appreciate this information, so I recently created a handout or guide that I use with my patients to talk them through various weight loss strategies, and I thought this would make a great episode, so here I am to share that information. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, you get to talk to me and we're going to talk about weight loss strategies. So things that I say over and over again are usually things that people want to hear and I talk about weight loss daily with my patients. If you like the PDF of the content I'm about to review, feel free to ask at the clinic at any point and we can provide. So I'm going to walk you through this handout that I use with my patients. So when talking about weight loss strategies, first, of course, we need to think about lifestyle changes. So I'm going to hit a couple different points here. So first, I always recommend, always, 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 when patients want to lose weight, I ask what they're eating, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and really examine the diet. I do encourage that they make sure they're getting good protein, three meals a day, at least, if not even protein-rich snacks, right? You need enough protein to help with, well, A, recovery from exercise, and hopefully you're exercising if you're trying to lose weight. But think of protein as obviously fueling your muscles, and muscles are the organ of longevity. Those are what you don't want to lose when you're on a, we'll just say, weight loss diet. Many patients who do even semi-glutide, they're losing muscle mass, and that's not something we want to have happen. We want them to preserve that muscle mass. Well, how do we do that? We can certainly supplement with things like perfect aminos, which I will get to. <laughs> but also, we want to make sure they're simply eating enough protein. So I always ask my patients, are you getting protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And many times, they're not. If you're starting your breakfast with just carbs, sugar, caffeine, right? That's not the best breakfast. So, make sure you're starting your day with good protein and that you're having a good amount of protein three meals a day. So, always make sure you're getting good protein and preferably organic, right? If you're eating fish, fowl, if you're getting um, any sort of red meat, you want to make sure that that is not farm raised, that that is high quality, either wild caught fish. If you can get organic meat, the better. So, we've talked a lot about this on the podcast. We've talked about how important it is to remove inflammatory foods to help heal leaky gut, but it's also important to avoid inflammatory foods to help with weight loss. Because think about it, when you eat foods that are causing inflammation, inflammation drives up cortisol and glucose, and that's what can lead to weight, especially around the middle, the midsection, right? (laughs) So if you haven't had food sensitivity testing, get that done to know if you need to avoid gluten, dairy, soy, corn, yeast, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, spices, right? Everybody's different, and you may need to avoid something different than even another member in your family. But generally speaking, The top inflammatory food groups, as Dr. Terry Walls recommends, the patients avoid are gluten, found in wheat, barley, rye, and oats, unless the oats are gluten-free, dairy, eggs, and sugar. Anything, if you do nothing else, avoid the inflammatory foods. And for many people, that will help with weight loss and bloating and just swelling. A lot of my patients feel like they're fat per se, like they have gained more weight. But many times that's just fluid or swelling and they take gluten out of their diet and they come back a month later and they're like, holy smokes. I do feel like I've lost fat or weight, and it's really many times just potentially water, that edema they're getting rid of, that swelling, they feel a lot better, and they're seeing numbers um, budge on the scale too. So obviously reduce, and if you can, avoid inflammatory foods. Another piece of this is to reduce the consumption of high glycemic index foods. We have a handout for this as well at the clinic. And if you're a current patient, ask for this. We're happy to hand it over to you. But think of the high glycemic index foods as foods that are spiking your blood sugar really high that then you're crashing off of, still hungry, and then you're craving something else so you go for another unhealthy snack. So these are going to be many times things that do have sugar and gluten in them. So bagels, baked goods, potatoes, even carrots, unfortunately. They're a vegetable that has a higher glycemic index. Crackers, again, think high sugar. So watermelon, dates, even rice has a higher glycemic index. And it's not that you can't have these, but just examine your diet to see, gosh, am I three meals a day consuming foods that have a really high glycemic index? And if I am, how can I change that? So think of lower glycemic index foods as those that don't spike the blood sugar as high, right? You really want to keep your blood sugar in this target range. You don't want to go too high. Obviously, you don't want to go too low either. So lower glycemic index foods are things like berries, the non-starchy uncooked vegetables, beans, nuts, and seeds. Now, wild rice is better because that has a lower glycemic index, if you can get a hold of some of that, versus the white rice that has a higher glycemic index, but also many foods that have more like fat in them. So animal fat are going to have a lower glycemic index. Now, if you choose to consume foods with a higher glycemic index, in a minute here, later in the podcast, I'll talk about some supplements that can help mitigate that spike, specifically berberine, and we'll get to that. There are apps on your phone that you can download to learn which foods are inflammatory, which foods have the higher glycemic index. And I might take a little tangent here also just to mention, it might be worth examining your diet to see if you're consuming foods that are higher FODMAP as well. So what does that even mean? Well, FODMAPs are a large group of dietary sugars found in many common foods, such as specific dairy products, wheat, and other grains, right? I'm repeating myself here multiple times, (laughs) even fruits and vegetables, but they are small in size and therefore can have an osmotic effect, meaning they can draw fluid into the gut that results in increased delivery of water through the bowel. So they're poorly absorbed in the small intestine. They continue along your digestive tract to the large intestine where they're fermented, keyword, they're fermented by, by bacteria in the large intestine, which produces gas. So many people almost feel like they're gaining weight and again, it's not weight, they just feel bloated and they just feel like something's not right in the midsection and sometimes it's just gas. And so it's worth trialing avoiding the high FODMAP foods, at least short term, focusing more on the low FODMAP foods to see if that improves some symptoms. So I know this podcast is on weight gain, but I wanted to throw in the bloating too, because sometimes when patients feel like they're, they're larger or they're uncomfortable, sometimes again, it's not necessarily fat. It could be swelling, inflammation. It also could just be gas and bloating. So FODMAP stands for, so F stands for fermentable. O stands for oligosaccharides. D is disaccharides. M is monosaccharides. A is and, and then P is polyols. So I'm going to give you examples of those. So, and we again have a table explaining this. So, Foods that fall under this category are things like, I've already mentioned, wheat, barley, rye, even onions, leeks, shallots. I know garlic, legumes, lentils, artichokes, chicory root. So I know to help heal your gut, many times we're recommending patients increase their fiber. But if you cannot tolerate or break down FODMAP foods, consuming these sort of fibers like chicory root, whatnot, inulin... Even garlic and onions can make you very gassy. And I've had fructose intolerance before via testing, breath testing, and I've actually had to avoid in the short term, I don't still avoid these 100%, but avoid the higher FODMAP foods. So I couldn't have ketchup with garlic and onions, right? I really had to take out a lot of foods to help just lessen gas and bloating in my gut. So sometimes I like to share this because it's really surprising to some patients that simple things that we think are healthy, like garlic and onions and leeks could be contributing to some problems. Also, dairy falls into this category because of the lactose and many fruits and vegetables fall into this category as well. So I first discovered I had fructose intolerance actually at one of our holiday Christmas parties for work. I'd asked for a warm tea because it was, you know, Christmas party. It was very cold outside and I put a lot of honey in that tea and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was just like, wow, why? I, I just really need to burp here. I had a lot of like air that was trapped, felt really gassy. And it really was from the the honey and that sugar. I just couldn't break that down. You'd think honey is a natural, healthy sugar. But for some people who can't break down the FODMAPs, honey can cause gas and bloating, as it did with me. Other higher FODMAP foods, which some of these, again, overlap as far as also having a high glycemic index, are things like mangoes and watermelons and apples and pears. And then, of course, anything that has high fructose corn syrup, which I hope you're avoiding. Apples and pears made me very nauseous for years. I can now tolerate some of those. But again, just kind of as you're listening to this, see if this fits your clinical picture. So apples, pears, apricots, nectarines, plums, of course, things like cauliflower and broccoli and whatnot. Anything that has been sweetened with any, any of the alls, like xylitol, sorbitol, mannitol, those for many people, again, can cause a lot of bloating. And those are things that I still to this day, for the most part, do avoid. Instead, I do have cane sugar if I have to have something that's sweetened. But of course, to a low degree, hopefully, there's not a lot of cane sugar in that. So if you find that high FODMAP foods are problematic for you and causing a lot of gas and bloating, of course, you can reduce your consumption of those or you can try the FODMATE enzyme, which has been a lifesaver for me. It's something I carry in my purse at all times, especially when I'm out to eat and I don't quite know how much garlic and onion is in this gluten-free pasta at this restaurant or whatnot. So the enzyme helps you break down the FODMAPs to minimize the bloating. So I know I went off on a tangent there. because I know we're talking about weight loss, but I did want to mention that. So, of course, this all falls into how I'm examining the diet of my patients. I'm also asking about their hydration. Many patients don't consume enough water, and some people consume too much water, and they're actually not adding in electrolytes as they should, especially if they're really excessively exercising and and sweating a lot and using their sauna to help with detox. Sometimes you can literally consume too much water, and that can actually rob you of (laughs) electrolytes. So make sure you're adding electrolytes. A low sugar option to your water. And I need to do this also because I have reverse osmosis at my house, right? So all the good stuff has been and the bad has been removed from my water, but I need to then replace my water with the good minerals. You can buy trace minerals online, or we have lots of different electrolyte options here. We sell the element, the element however you want to say that. We sell the ultima electrolytes. I like those because they're low sugar, unlike liquid IV, which is pretty high sugar, which is unfortunately very popular. And then I, we also have a newer uh, electrolyte option that is combined with perfect aminos. So consider adding electrolytes to your water and staying very decently hydrated. General rule of thumb is to drink half your body weight in ounces per day. So if you're a 150 pound person, half that is 75 pounds, drink 75 ounces of water per day space throughout the day. And you should be less hungry, you should literally feel more full, your body's going to function better (laughs) when you're hydrated as well. And then I highly encourage from a lifestyle standpoint, of course, that you exercise. Now, a lot of my patients say, well, at my job, I walk 10,000 steps a day. Well, that's amazing, but your body is adapted to that. And if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to go above and beyond that. So I highly encourage you listen to my podcast episode with Dr. Deborah Atkinson on weight loss over 50. It's episode 112 from season three, where she talks about the importance of adding in weights or resistance training. She says that is most important, really, even over cardio. So that's something, again, I'm going to refer to that episode for. But just know that if all you're doing is walking your dog, that's great. Or if you're getting steps in you know, for work, that's great. But if you're wanting to lose weight, we need to create a deficit. You have to go above and beyond what your body's already adapted to. So getting your heart rate up, getting you sweaty, lifting some weights, engaging those larger muscle groups that, again, can burn fat is so important. Start with maybe once a week, work up to twice a week. If you can do three days a week, great. Every day is too much because you have to allow your body time for recovery. But I do think adding in weights and again, resistance training is extremely important. Okay, next we're going to move on to labs. So many times when patients come to me wanting to lose weight, of course I'm going to run a comprehensive lab panel on them to include hormones. Because a lot of my patients are perimenopausal, and research really shows the sooner you intervene and replace hormones, the less weight women are going to gain through menopause, right? I don't want to wait until a patient is 70 and miserable to optimize her hormones. If her hormones are tanking in her 40s or 50s, let's replace those now. So when I'm talking about replacing hormones, obviously we talk a lot about this on the podcast we have in past episodes. But I'm checking, firstly, a thyroid hormone panel on these patients. So we're drawing a TSH, free T4, free T3, in some cases, reverse T3, and then always the thyroid antibodies. We want to work to specifically improve T3, which is very important for energy and metabolism. And just to remind the listeners, if your T3 is outstanding, but your T3 is in the tank, think of your T3 as being the gas pedal on metabolism. So it doesn't matter how high your T4 is, if it's not converting to T3, you're not going to get the benefit of thyroid hormones. If your reverse T3 is high, that's like the brake pedal on metabolism. So we don't want that high in your free T3 low. So we can work nutritionally, giving you selenium and zinc and magnesium and omega-3 fatty acids, right? And, And work to reduce stress to help convert T4 to T3. But some patients just need to take T3 replacement. So that's definitely something that we offer our patients here. And that's what I mean by we want to work to optimize hormones, right? So we'll optimize thyroid hormones. We'll also optimize sex hormones. So in my patient population, I'm checking for females, we're checking estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, and then in men, we check estrogen and testosterone and sometimes DHT as well. So we want to make sure that women are not estrogen dominant, especially the younger women, because that can inhibit weight loss. But we want to make sure they're also not estrogen deficient as they head into perimenopause and menopause. So so there's definitely a fine line, and that's why we check the levels and match that with the symptoms that the patients are having and decide how to replace and optimize those hormones. We also work to improve insulin resistance, right? We want to reduce insulin resistance and improve insulin sensitivity. So I also check on my patients, and if you're listening, this is something your primary care can easily check, hemoglobin A1c, which is the average glucose over three months. You can also check a fasting glucose, and you can check a fasting insulin. You can even do a glucose tolerance test where you go to the lab, they check your glucose, fasting, you drink a nasty sugary substance and over the next several hours, they check your glucose to see if it's rising. That's also a test that is done um, like I had to do that when I was pregnant, right? To see if you have gestational diabetes. For many of my patients, the glucose has not yet risen. So the glucose is not yet elevated, but what will rise before glucose is insulin. So sometimes I have my patients do what I call an insulin tolerance test, where they do that same test, only they are, we're checking insulin, not glucose. They drink in that sugary substance and we're checking their insulin at multiple intervals. And many of the times for patients that I'm very suspicious will have this, we do find that their insulin levels come back elevated, right? Far before their glucose levels are elevated. So then we want to work to improve that. And here's where maybe I'll transition and move on to the benefit of using supplements to help with weight loss. So I will use lots of berberine with my patients. And I'll refer listeners back to episode 33 with Sean Wells, the ingredientologist. Uh, he had a great analogy, a great story, personal story of himself using berberine, which you'll have to listen to the episode for the exact details. But he said something like, I wanted to experiment taking dehydroberberine to see, after having lived a very healthy lifestyle for years of his life, he was doing, I think, ketogenic eating and intermittent fasting. I believe it was something like three Pop-Tarts and two Oreos, something that he normally would not consume. And he wore a continuous glucose monitor and checked his glucose and how high it spiked after eating those foods that he typically hadn't eaten. Then he waited a week, he had a week washout period, went back to healthy eating, and then he wanted to try this experiment again, only this time with berberine in his system. So he had berberine in his system. I don't remember if it was a gram or or how much. He had the same three Pop-Tarts and two Oreos and his blood sugar spiked like 50% as high as it had without the berberine in his system. And that was just, again, a testimony to how effective berberine can be for minimizing blood sugar spikes in helping to reduce that insulin resistance. I carry berberine with me if I ever I'm going to, you know, go out to dinner and have maybe it's like gluten free pasta or, or something with rice, something that again has the higher glycemic index I've already alluded to, or if I'm going to have dessert, right? My son's birthday party, we had gluten free <laughs> cake. I took berberine to minimize that the blood sugar impact on my body of those nasty foods. <laughs> so it's not that you can never have them. You can just again, minimize, we'll just say the risk of those using something like berberine Now berberine is an herb which has been shown to be equally as effective as metformin which is a drug for prediabetes but what I found in my patient population is that although metformin is cheap it's a four dollar drug many times has a lot of gastrointestinal side effects meaning patients get loose stools diarrhea they just don't feel right on that. Now sometimes we can minimize that by using a um, extended release version but nine times out of ten patients better tolerate berberine over metformin. So you could use berberine with each meal if you're having carbs with each meal or many times. I just tell my patients if your breakfast is really healthy, high protein, low sugar, you don't need to take berberine with that. So maybe reserve the berberine for just dinner if you're having a good lunch, right? Good salad, whatnot. But if you know you're out to eat, you're not eating well, use that berberine in those situations. I wanted to share my excitement today over our newest product that should assist with weight loss. It's called Metabolism Support. It works by increasing GLP 1 and reducing ghrelin, which I'll explain here in a minute. GLP-1 may sound familiar to you because over the past year, our clinic has had excellent success using GLP-1 agonist injections like semaglutide for weight loss. As a reminder, GLP-1 agonists delay the release of food from the stomach, making you feel fuller longer so you eat less and lose weight. However, today, for those of you who have never taken a GLP-1 agonist or who don't want the injection or cost of the injection, I have another solution. We just launched Metabolism Support. It contains a patented blend of lemon, verbena, and hibiscus called Metabolate and green coffee bean extract. I want to explain to you here how this works and the balance of two hormones in your body. Your adipose cells, aka fat cells, secrete leptin, which is your satiation hormone that tells your body you're full leptin and ghrelin have somewhat of an inverse relationship ghrelin is your hunger hormone makes you want to eat think ghrelin growling for more food your body doesn't always want you to lose weight and can fight against you and i'll explain why as you lose weight you have less leptin and glp1 telling you that you're full and more ghrelin that growling hormone that makes you feel hungry so as you lose weight many people actually get more hungry and we need to stop that And there's a solution, we now can take a supplement that increases GLP-1 and reduces ghrelin to help keep us full and eat less. The green coffee extract also has shown to help reduce body weight and improve metabolism. Trials have shown individuals on this product can lose 6% of their total body fat in 8 weeks time, and if you're losing weight, blood pressure, and cholesterol, all are going down really reducing cardiovascular risk factors. Of note, this product is 100% caffeine-free. I don't understand how, but it is. This is also excellent when used in combination with berberine, fish oil, and bergamot, all of which also can reduce cardiovascular risk. I also have to emphasize that you will have much better success with any of the GLP-1 boosters when you combine them with lifestyle changes. I also always say there's no pill, potion, or powder that will replace lifestyle changes. You will get better longer lasting results when you eat clean exercise and reduce stress in combination with taking the supplement. You can take this when on semaglutide if transitioning off of it, or of course, if also not taking it, this metabolism support supplement should be taken 30 minutes before your largest meal of the day for best results. And also remember, you will be better able to lose weight when you're hydrated. So start your day with large water with electrolytes and start every meal with protein. Use code WEIGHTLOSS for 10% off metabolism support at yourlongevityblueprint.com. And know that we now have an in-body machine at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic. So if you want to see your body fat percentage before starting a supplement or even a GLP-1 agonist injection, we can provide you with this information to track your progress. Also, fish oil is very important when we're thinking of, well, just reducing, you know, risk of diabetes and cardiovascular um, complications. of course, to help with weight loss. I've talked a lot about the importance of purchasing high quality supplements, specifically high quality fish oil. And we have the shortest sea to shelf fish oil supplement on the market. The fish oil is not old and rancid. It's very potent. It's still fresh and it can be very helpful. Most of my patients need a minimum of a 1000 milligrams of combined EPA and DHA. And in fact, when I test a lot of my patients needs for omega-3 fatty acids, aka fish oil, Most of them need 2,000 milligrams per day. So I tell my patients at least take one, if not two of what we have. And if it's determined that your triglycerides, let's say on your lipid panel or glucose are even higher, we may use three or 4,000 milligrams of fish oil. Now, there are some other strategies I'll transition to here that can also help with weight loss that I also have additional podcast episodes on. I've done so many episodes at this point, it's just easier to kind of refer back to those and maybe give a, a short summary here. So one is the liver detox program we have here. I think the episode was liver cleansing with Steve Dake. I think it's episode 43. Now that's designed to help pilot patients into really good eating behaviors. So if you're new to functional medicine, you've really never heard of a lot of these concepts I'm mentioning today. That's something that would be a great introduction to just this sort of lifestyle. So the liver detox or the liver cleanse can be done for one, two, three, or even four weeks. And I would be shocked... If anyone did this and didn't lose weight, most people will lose at least a few pounds on this. So what it is, is it's a combination of clean eating, back to that anti-inflammatory diet that I keep mentioning, right? Combined with a protein fiber powder, a multivitamin, and then there's some liver detox pills here. And those have beet, dandelion, artichoke, milk thistle, alpha lipoic acid, all agents that help the liver and the gallbladder purge toxins out of the gut. I'm sorry, out of the liver, (laughs) gallbladder purge them into the gut so that the fiber protein powder can bind them and you can excrete them. Remember toxins hide in fat cells and if we can get the fat cells to release the toxins the fat cells shrink and patients should lose weight and most of us have been exposed to lots of toxins over our life and we do need to be constantly detoxing right trying to eliminate those toxins or our body is going to protect our internal organs from the toxins and store the toxins in fat. So doing a liver cleanse can help the fat cells release the toxins help kind of it's not going to just, you know, fix the liver if the liver is a little bit stressed, but it's going to lessen the stress on the liver, help to start removing some toxins. It's very doable. Most patients tolerate that just fine. But listen to episode 43 for more information on that. I also have episode, I think it was 44, on PROLON, and that's that stands for a prolonged fast. I believe that episode was with James Kelly. And essentially what this is, is it's a five-day eating program designed to kind of trick your body into think that your body is fasting. And then when you're fasting, of course, your body can clean up those zombie cells. Your body can kind of take out the trash per se, do what it needs to do. This was really created from a longevity strategy standpoint. But one of the side benefits is that many patients will lose weight doing Prolon. So essentially, it's a lot of water, of course, consuming some of these like soup packets you mix with water. There are different bars. The food actually tastes really good, and that's a great strategy, again, just from an anti-aging standpoint, but also a program that can help patients lose weight. So that's called Prolon. And again, that was mentioned in episode 43. We also have supplements that are great for patients just to help them lose weight. So many patients suffer with cravings. And so a product we've carried for years is called Appy curb, And that actually has ingredients that are supposed to help curb cravings. So cravings for food, for sugar, carbs, alcohol, even nicotine. So essentially this contains chromium, which you probably heard is great for balancing blood sugar. Also has phenylalanine, tyrosine, glutamine, and 5-HTP. So these all support neurotransmitter production to help you essentially feel better and not have cravings. Because many times you're craving something sweet or something salty or whatever. Because your serotonin or your dopamine are low, right? So if we can support those neurotransmitters and make you feel better, you might not make a poor decision and opt for those those chips or that cookie or whatnot. So Apicrib is something that you could take if you just know, oh gosh, every afternoon I have cravings, you could take this preceding that time. The full serving is four per day, but a lot of my patients through the years have gotten by just taking two per day as needed. So that's something that we carry here. And then we do have a new supplement called metabolism. Well, relatively new by the time this podcast launches, it'll probably be a year old, but we have a supplement called metabolism support. So I will kind of go over, I know I did a video before on this, but I'll kind of just re-mention a lot of the the content from that video. So I'm really excited about this um, because it works by increasing GLP-1 and reduces ghrelin, which kind of sounds similar to semaglutide, which we're going to get to next on this show. But this is not an injection. This is an oral supplement. So as a reminder, GLP-1 agonists delay the release of food from the stomach, making you feel fuller longer so you eat less and hopefully lose weight. So I also want to explain this to you as far as how it works in the balance of two hormones in your body. So your adipose cells, aka your fat cells, secrete leptin, which is your satiation hormone that tells your body you're full. Leptin and ghrelin have somewhat of an inverse relationship. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone, makes you want to eat. Think ghrelin, growling for more food. Your body doesn't always want you to lose weight and can fight against you, and I'll explain why. So as you lose weight, you have less leptin and less GLP-1 telling you you are full and more ghrelin. Remember remember that growling hormone that makes you feel hungry. So as you lose weight, many people actually get more hungry, and we want to stop that so you don't feel miserable as you're losing weight. And so there's a solution to that. You can now take a supplement that can increase GLP-1 and reduce ghrelin to help us feel full and eat less. So this also has coffee bean extract, which has been shown to help reduce body weight and improve metabolism. And trials have shown individuals on this product can lose 6% of their body fat in 8 weeks' time. If you're losing weight, many times blood pressure, cholesterol, and your cardiovascular risk factors should also reduce. And this product, somehow, I don't understand why, but is 100% caffeine-free. This is also excellent when used in combination with berberine that I've mentioned, fish oil that I've mentioned today, and even bergamot, which we many times use to help lower cholesterol and triglycerides, which all have that reduced cardiovascular risk benefit. But I also want to emphasize, of course, that patients have much better success when using any GLP-1 boosters when they're combining it with everything else I've said today, all those other lifestyle changes. Because like I always say, there's no pill, potion, or powder that's going to replace the lifestyle changes. You're going to get better, longer-lasting results when you eat clean exercise, reduce stress, all in combination with taking something like this supplement. So many of my patients will take this when on semaglutide or when transitioning off it, of course, and definitely when not taking it. The metabolism support, though, strategically has to be taken 30 minutes before your largest meal of the day for best results. And so if that's dinner for you, again, you're going to want to take this before dinner to help you feel more full and essentially eat less for dinner. So in addition to the supplement called metabolism support, which I have mentioned is a GLP-1 booster, we also have offered peptide injections to help with weight loss here at our clinic. So we do offer semaglutide. And just to kind of explain what that is, I'll explain this briefly. (laughs) Many of my patients have heard of Ozempic or Wigovi, Munjaro, all of these sort of medications they've seen commercials for which are approved for the treatment of diabetes. But what they found in these patients who have diabetes is that the medications are very effective in lowering glucose, but the side effect has been also positive weight loss. And so these medications are now being used off-label for weight loss in non-diabetic patients. You might already know that insulin resistance can lead to weight gain, but did you know that it also is one of the leading causes of death for its role in diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's? Diet changes are essential when it comes to combating insulin resistance, but additional nutrients can also help. The one I recommend the most? berberine. Berberine is a plant extract that has been used in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine for over 2,500 years. In addition to its long history, modern clinical trials have demonstrated that berberine supports cardiovascular health in a number of important synergistic ways. These include helping you maintain blood pressure, support healthy heart contraction and rhythm, and support healthy cholesterol and glucose levels. Our berberine support product also contains alpha-lipoic acid, or ALA, which has been shown to support blood sugar balance and is also a powerful antioxidant that scavenges free radicals. It's wonderful for maintaining healthy blood vessel and circulatory health. Consider taking the Synergistic Blend daily, or especially if you eat more than normal or indulge over the holidays or a birthday, where it should help reduce blood sugar spikes. Check out our product info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash berberine hyphen support. To get 10% off berberine support, use code berberine at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. So I will say Munjaro is technically terzepatide, which is similar. It just has an additional um, benefit, I'll say. But Ozempic and Wagovi are semaglutide. So we can compound semaglutide to help our patients lose weight. And they can get it at a much more affordable rate than if they were paying for it out of pocket at a commercial pharmacy. So again, this is a GLP-1 agonist, which again, like I mentioned, with metabolism support delays the release of food from the stomach. So you hopefully eat less, but it also works on the brain for cravings. And a lot of my patients just feel like they have food freedom. They're not thinking of their next meal. They're not just obsessed with food. So they feel free from that. And then thirdly, it works on the insulin resistant component, which most of my patients who can't lose weight definitely have. So we're seeing with this product, hemoglobin A1c, fasting insulin, fasting glucose go down. Many times cholesterol is going down. Many times liver function tests are going down because patients are losing weight. Some people have a lot more weight to lose than others, but on average, many of my patients lose about two pounds per week on this. Now, it is important to note this is an injection. It's a teeny little needle. It's a subcutaneous injection that we show our patients and and we demonstrate how to do this injection with sterile water to make sure they can do it before we have them pay for (laughs) an injectable medication. It's injected once a week. And many of my patients get by with a very low dose, 5 or 10 units, which is 0.25 milligrams or 0.5 milligrams. And that's just per week. That is enough to help them lose weight. If they're not losing weight, we can go up um, even higher. And again, the units you take and that, that milligram dose that you're getting is just going to vary based on especially like which pharmacy you're getting that from. That those are That's just the direction that we advise our patients on based on the current pharmacy we're getting this from. It's important to note side effects. So many times I'll see nausea and constipation, which makes sense, right? If this is delaying the release of food from the stomach, it's going to slow digestion. So you could be constipated and you could be nauseous. So you have to pay attention to your body's cues and signals and don't overeat because if you overeat, you're going to throw up. (laughs) So if you're getting nauseous, and I know some celebrities have said online that they were just super nauseous on this medication, well, then we need to back off on your dose. I think if you're getting nauseous, you're getting too much. So we can certainly back off. And for many people, just a small amount of this medication can be very, very helpful. I haven't seen diarrhea and I haven't seen abdominal pain, but those are other theoretical side effects. Technically, palpitations could happen as well, as could hypoglycemia. I haven't seen any hypoglycemia, which is low blood glucose, except in patients who accidentally injected daily versus weekly. Um, This is also contraindicated with personal or family history with a specific type of thyroid cancer, medullary thyroid cancer, which is more rare, and also, of course, pancreatitis. I have found in my patients great success with this. Of course, everybody's question is, Am I going to be able to keep the weight off if you know when I stop the injection? And so I'll be just totally upfront and honest with this. The clinical trials on semaglutide showed that two thirds of the patients who stopped the medication gained their weight back. Now that means that one third of them did not, but two thirds did. Right? What I tell my patients though is that that study was not done on my patient population. So I certainly would like to hope and believe that my patients are going to have much better success keeping the weight off than that because of all of the things I've already mentioned throughout this podcast if we get your lifestyle in check and you change your diet and you're exercising you're you're increasing your protein and and improving your hydration if your hormones are optimized if you've worked at least a little bit right on detoxing your liver and you're taking great supplements right if you're plugging many of these pieces and there are more but these are the ones i'm mentioning today if you're plugging these pieces of the puzzle in I absolutely believe you should have better success with keeping the weight off. And again, if patients are nervous to taper off once they've made their, met their weight loss goal, for many people, we very slowly taper them off because I think part of that might be, you know, placebo effect that they just feel like they need to be injecting something to, to not lose, not gain weight. But we can also transition them to that metabolism support supplement that I mentioned. And so far, so good. Most of my patients over this past year have done tremendously well, and I'm very proud of them for the changes they made. I think once you start losing weight, you also get motivated like this lifestyle works, right? I'm losing weight. Let's keep this up. And so I'm just super excited for all my patients who have taken the plunge and, and taken the semaglutide this year because they've had, most of them have had great success. I do want to mention one more thing I almost forgot. We also offer what we call Lipo B or Lipo Boost shots here which are really just subcutaneous injections that are a mix of amino acids, which help expedite lipolysis, which is fat lysis, right? Uh, The breakdown of fat. And so that's something that I aggressively used before my wedding, right? Like long over a decade ago, I was doing lipolysis shots in my arms and my thighs and my belly. And I really do think, they helped with weight loss. And then I sometimes forget we offer them, I need to be doing those once a week. But I have many patients who really just want to lose inches on their belly, or maybe it's their arms, and they'll come once or twice a week for a couple months, and they really do notice results. So those lipo B shots can be very helpful. And early in the show, I did allude to talking about perfect aminos, which I'll just very briefly mention at the end here. So For patients who are nervous to up their protein for fear of really consuming more calories, there is a solution to that as well. And that's perfect aminos. So perfect aminos, think of them as like pre-digested protein guaranteed even in an inflammatory gut to be well absorbed. So in short, the perfect aminos um, come in tablets or powder and five grams of the perfect aminos are equivalent to either 29 grams of a protein powder, 15 grams of protein from meat or 10 grams of protein from eggs. So this is a great solution for patients who really want to gain more muscle mass, but they don't want to necessarily add more calories in, but they know they need more protein in their diet. They can always just add in uh, one, two, or even three surfings of perfect aminos per day. So lastly, again, I hope this information was useful to you. I hope I gave you some ideas on what you could try to help pilot your weight loss journey. No, we at the Integrative Health and Hormone Clinic are here to help. If you're a current patient and would like any of the additional labs run that I mentioned in today's show, or want to try any of the options mentioned, you can obviously stop into the clinic or call the clinic 319-363-0033. And if you're not a current patient, we'd love for you to become one. And I'll also post links in the show notes to all of the products mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting.